You're listening to an all-new episode of Self-Made Strategies. Visit selfmadestrategies.com for new episodes, information about our guests, and a whole lot more. Welcome to episode 123 of the Self-Made Strategies podcast. On this episode, we sat down with Patience Dean. Patience is a serial entrepreneur. She went from homelessness to CEO in 11 days. She's the CEO of Patience Dean Design Studios. She's also a Christian author, speaker, and passive income investor. She's passionate about helping entrepreneurs make their vision profitable. She's helped many startups launch effectively branded businesses, churches, and other nonprofit organizations. Her passion for helping entrepreneurs was the catalyst for her developing Patience Dean Design Studios, which she started when she was only 15 years old. On this episode, you're going to hear the story of how Patience went from becoming homeless to a CEO in just 11 days. She's also going to talk about her nothing is impossible mindset. She's going to provide you with motivation for getting that business started, whether it's as a side hustle or because you faced an economic downturn. Speaking of downturns, she's also going to talk about how you can stay positive during a downturn, which no one knows better than patients who had been homeless and had to get herself back into business in just 11 days. We'll also talk a little bit about the best practices for business development, branding your business, finding your why, and developing your website. Here are the self-made strategies of Patience Dean. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really anxious to get into your backstory, to hear more about how you got into your business, how you became who you are today. Uh, So why don't you take us back to the beginning? How did you, first of all, come up with the idea to get into starting your own organization? Of course, you have patientsdean.store, S-T-O-R-E which we'll talk about a little bit more once we get into that. But I want to hear a lot more about how, what, what launched you into starting your own business. Right. Um, what launched me, I would have to say, was my passion for helping other people start their own business. Essentially, um, I actually... I started by help someone start the first business in the fifth grade. Um, I had a friend who he was trying to raise some money to do some stuff over the summer. So like keep in mind this is fifth grade. So I don't you didn't really, you didn't really need that much money. <laughs> but he came to me and he said, you know, hey, can you help me with this? And I said, sure. So that's kind of when I realized I had a passion for it. So I said, well, what what do you have that you can sell? I mean, you're in the fifth grade. <laughs> so and he actually the only thing he had was his school pictures. So I actually taught him how to sell his school pictures and he was actually able to raise (laughs) enough money from selling his school pictures to do what he needed to do over the summer. So by the time I got to middle school, I was a known business consultant. So my passion came literally from helping other people reach their goals. Because for me, it's like helping someone fulfill their purpose, whether it's starting a nonprofit, you know, to feed the homeless, or if it's starting a business um, for to, to do whatever it is that you're passionate about doing. It's still, I'm still helping you fulfill your purpose. And so that was my passion. That's where my passion comes from. So it's much bigger than just business for me. So all the way back to middle school. I love that. I, I love hearing <laughs> stories about entrepreneurs who have that spark early on, like you did back in middle school. That's really cool. So 
patientsdean.store. Of course, you do logo design, you do stationery, mock-ups, book covers, promo videos. You do a lot of design and support work, including web design. How did you get into that specific area, starting from helping people to sell their photos in fifth grade (laughs) middle school? How did that eventually turn into a graphic design and web design business? Okay, so that started from the same thing, the same passion again. So going from helping people, you know, actually start the business, um, it's literally all my life I've had people just coming to me and they will have an idea and then not know what to do with it. So I would help them all the way from the ground up. Okay, let's get your tax ID number. Let's get it registered. Let's do the foundational stuff. Let's get your logo done. And then after that, now it was kind of like I was just leaving them on their own, you know, to figure this out. And so that's when I added, you know, the web design aspect to it to help them establish a presence online. And then it went beyond that now to um, doing the video production part now where I can help them do commercials and help them. So it just all stems from helping them start it. And then now I want to provide even more resources. So now I can help them even with the marketing for the videos and I can help them, you know, with the getting a brand established online with the websites. So it just stems from the passion of helping them start now to helping them grow. That's really, really cool. So how did you become a business consultant by the eighth grade, though? So you you did help <laughs> one individual in middle school, but how does that evolve into an actual business where you're doing business consulting by the eighth grade? Well, after that, after he made all that money, like other kids started coming to me and you know, trying to get me to help them start up different things. You know, some of them had you know, different skills. Some of them were artists. And they wanted to figure out, well, how do I sell my artwork? Or, you know, how do I sell, you know, this? I like skateboarding, but I want to, like, teach other kids how to do it. Like, how do I do that? So it stems from that. And then just helping people make money doing those little things. Because I learned the power of just, like, small amounts of money at a really, really young age. (laughs) Um, I remember even in, like, even before the fifth grade in elementary school, I figured out, you know, if I got up in every period and said, hey, does everybody have a quarter? By the time I got to lunchtime, I could buy lunch for my whole table. <laughs> so it's just, I realized it early and I just, just helped other people do the same thing, regardless of whatever, whatever it was, whether they, you know, uh, wanted to help somebody else learn something or whether it was a gift or like art, artistry or whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit goes a long way, right? And that's really what we're talking about here is how incremental steps can help you to thrive, right? And you've written several books. You've written a a book called It's Your Time to Thrive Authentically, right? Tell us a little bit about how that came up as a concept. Um, (laughs) That's more like an article. My book was actually about like understanding spiritual time. But um, just learning how to thrive is that's that's literally like my life story. <laughs> so I remember um, one of the things that I really like helping people do is learning how to start a business with nothing. And that's where the thriving authentically comes from. When you find that thing inside of you that you're passionate about, but now you have to take that and figure out how to turn it into income for yourself. And if you're coming, you know, Let's say you're on a job where you're making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. It's kind of hard to really do that, you know. On that, it's kind of that's a really tight budget. So I actually had a situation where <laughs> I literally had to do that, do it from nothing. Um, I was homeless years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. 
kind of a long story as to how I got there, but it was from business and stuff. So I ended up homeless and I'm sitting in the shelter. And so they gave you like 30 days to like find a job and get on your feet and do all of that stuff. So, you know, I had been going out every day, applying for all these jobs. And finally, I'm down to my last 11 days. <laughs> and the counselor calls me to her office. She was like, well, you know, you're sure. down to your last 11 days. Like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to talk to the Lord. <laughs> so I don't know if it's okay to talk about that, but that's how I did it. So, and she said, okay, fine. So I went in Rome and I just you know, began to talk to the Lord. And I asked him, I said, you know, you said you were going to take care of me. So why am I sitting in a shelter? And he told me straight up, like, you're here because I'm trying to show you that everything you ever needed to prosper is not out there. It's already in you. And so he said, go for a walk. So I literally got out of the shelter and started walking down the street. And as I'm walking down the street, I see this office space storefront that says for rent. And <laughs> again, he says, call the number. And I'm like, okay, you do know I'm in a shelter, right? <laughs> so I'm like trying to explain to him, like, why am I, I going to call the number when I'm in a shelter? So I was just obedient and I called the number. So the next day, the guy who owned the space or whatever comes over, showed me the space and everything. And he's like, you know, do you like it? And I'm like, yeah, you know, <laughs> sure, I like it. So ne the next thing I'm expecting him to say, you know, it's like, you know, I tell him what I want to do with it. And then he's like, well, I'll be right back. So he goes to his car and he comes back. And I'm thinking he's coming back, you know, like with an application and, you know, all of the stuff that you're supposed to do. <laughs> and he comes back and he says, oh, here's the keys. Give me the money when you get it. So at this point, I'm just like, confused like okay this is not normal <laughs> activity here <laughs> that's not how it works in the real world so literally <laughs> it was just things like that just happened back to back and then I signed the lease and within 11 days when I left that shelter I had started that business and not only that but I had also started a nonprofit for the homeless <laughs> money showed up supernaturally in my bank account um, and just <laughs> Just things that I, you know, it's just, it's hard to even imagine how it all fell into place now. Um, but one thing that I do tell everyone is that there's no time that's too short to do anything. And there's nothing that is impossible. If you really want to do it, if you step out there and start doing something, it's like everything else will line up. But most people are paralyzed by the fear of, well, I don't have everything in place yet, so I'm just going to sit here and not do anything. But if you start walking, everything will fall into place. So. Yeah, that's an incredible story. Now, I do have to take a step back. If you're comfortable talking about it, tell us how you became homeless to begin with, and then what happened in, the, in addition to divine intervention? What, what were the steps to actually starting the business? But let's start with the homelessness, because I think that's a really key part of your story, of course. And and how you literally in 11 days, and we'll get into, obviously, how you can start a business from nothing, as you said, mm -hmm. but how did that all come together? Um, how did I end up in the shelter, or how did it come together after? Yeah, well, both. How did you end up homeless to begin with, if you, if you don't mind sharing? <laughs> um, I was in, well, I kind of grew up in an abusive household, so I kind of moved out at a really young age. <laughs> so that just kind of led to several different things and then the story behind how it actually is really long <laughs> that would have to be like a whole separate interview it's like a really really long story so but i can tell you like how everything came to, into place after sure so he he huh? 
he basically says, you know, you can take the space and pay me later. Something in you must have sparked a, a belief in him, right? That that you were onto something. But what was that business that you first started and how did you get it up and running in 11 days? And that business was actually still the same consulting, you know, helping people start up businesses. And so from that day, once I got the keys, I started working on the space myself because it still needed some work. You know, I was just in there like painting, doing different things. And every day as I was working, people would come by. So I would have the door open. And that's how I met a lot of people. So one of the people that came by was there was like a shop right across the street from me, but it was a thrift store. And, but it wasn't a regular thrift store. It was actually, they had like a church in the back of it. And so once they saw what I was trying to do, um, that's how I was able to actually start the nonprofit for the homeless because I partnered with them. And I actually, I had a moving van at the time. So what I would do was they would give me free furniture. So when people were moving from the shelter, I would provide free furniture for their new place. Um, you know, so they wouldn't have to worry about anything. They could transition from the shelter to their new place with, with, with furniture. So that's how I was able to start the nonprofit was by partnering with that organization. And then in addition to that, uh, another person that came in while I was working on the store was um, somebody, another guy across the street who owned, he owned like a, um, it was like a coffee shop, but it was kind of like a hangout spot too. So with him, I partnered with him, so we're like at nighttime when I wasn't working on the store, I would help him out in the in the um, coffee shop, and then that gave me some extra income to really start, you know, doing even more in the store. And then it just kind of went from there, and then I was able to, you know, do that. So because I started, you know, I was able to meet all the people that I need. They kind of just came to me. So incredible. What a cool story. <laughs> now, how did you stay positive in that very significant downturn in your life? And I'm sure that's advice that a lot of people who may be listening to this episode could use with the pandemic. We've all been kind of struggling a little bit to stay afloat despite a years long struggle of, you know, being quarantined and dealing with the anxiety and, and the emotional roller coaster of just everything that's going on, right? Who can we get together? How far should we stay from them? Do we wear masks? All these things. Um, so how did you stay positive in such a negative time in such a big downturn in your life? Um, because, I mean, because of everything that just happened, you know, like just the way things happened, I knew it would just, it just wasn't natural. And I knew that if it could happen for me, I could teach other people how to be able to make it happen for, for them. So being, staying positive has always been my strength, <laughs> I guess, maybe because my name is Patience, I don't know. <laughs> I've been forced to have it all my life kind of thing. But it's just, for me, it's just my relationship with God. Um, you know, and spending time with the Holy Spirit that is able, that I'm able to be empowered to stay positive through, you know, anything um, like COVID. When that hit, you know, there were a lot of things that happened even with business because I have a passive income business too where I own ATM machines. So most of the businesses weren't, you know, essential <laughs> that, you know, only the gas stations and those little ones. But so like half of our locations had to be like closed down, you know, like how do you stay positive in that? But one thing I've learned is that when you're in that time where everything is negative, that's the time to focus on growing yourself from the inside. Because if you can't affect everything else around you, you can't affect you. It's kind of like thinking about it like, like if you were a plant, so to speak. You can affect your soil right beneath you, even if everything else is going you know, crazy around you. But if you continue to nurture yourself and focus on that, while everything else is going on outside, 
then what's going to happen is, you know, it's kind of like the pendulum. It's going to go back and forth. So now when it goes, when things flip back and are open back up, now you're coming back even stronger than you were before it happened because you spent time nurturing yourself. So now when things come back up and bounce back up, now you're at the point where you're built up and you're ready to go. So now you're aware it's kind of where opportunity meets preparation because you focus on preparing yourself. So now when the opportunity comes back up, you're ready to go. So that's what you do with the downtown. Take it to grow yourself. Focus on yourself because it's always going to come back around again to the good side. Yeah, I love that. I mean, honestly, that's that's something that resonates very much with me as well. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think the downtimes, I've said this to a lot of people in passing during the pandemic. Some people take it well, some people don't, of course, but it's these times that usually bring about opportunities to do something different and to take a different approach to what you've been doing all along. And yeah, it can be a little bit tough in the beginning and if you suffer a health or an economic or financial downturn, that can be really difficult to deal with. But, you know, I remember I interviewed an Olympic gold medalist, Heather Mitz, for this podcast uh, several, about 20 episodes ago or so. And mm -hmm. Heather told me that she had a real bad uh, injury in her career and she thought her career was potentially over. And her husband once told her, you get one day, you get one day to sulk and to, you know, take in all the negative energy. And then after that, you just have to start rebuilding. You have to just be pragmatic and get back on and start doing what you need to do to get back to where you want to be. And I, I think that's really an important mindset to have. Yeah. So you talk a lot about how nothing is impossible. Tell us a little bit about where you got that, because I also believe that as well. And I'm curious to see how that's come into your life to begin with and then how you've applied it to your business? Um, <clears throat> so I want to talk about, uh, I guess, how I wrote my first book, because that's kind of like how that came, was kind of like the birthing from the whole nothing thing. So that actually came from helping somebody else again. <laughs> so I'm, you know, minding my own business and I met this lady at, I think it was like a conference or something. And she said, you know, I want, I really want to write a book. She told me her story. She had the doctors had to nick her intestines. She almost died. Um, she ended up, she was on the bottom of the list to get like a, a new kidney. And miraculously, somebody died that was just a match for her. And she ended up going to the top of the list and all of that. So she wanted to write a book about it. So, and she didn't know where to start. So she came to me. For some reason, like people are just drawn to me for this stuff. <laughs> and at the time, I'm just sitting here like, okay, I've never written a book before. I don't know how I'm going to help this lady, but okay. Just based on what I know from business, okay, let's do that. Okay, so I helped her write the book. And then after we wrote the book, um, she needed a way to sell it. So I helped her. I built a website for her. And then I automated everything to where once people ordered the book, it would automatically be printed and shipped to them. And all she would have to do was collect the royalties. So once I went through that process with her and then I helped her establish her own publishing company so she could, you know, make her, make the money directly. So once I helped her do that, that's when I was able to do, kind of like do it for myself. So the whole nothing is impossible thing just comes from, if you try to do it, you're going to learn everything you need to along the way, in a sense. And, and there's nothing out there that I truly believe is impossible. If Even if it seems too big to be true, if you take that thing and break it down, come up with a strategy of how to get there, 
and then actually follow that strategy one step at a time. You're going to get there no matter how big it is. You're going to get there. If you keep climbing one step at a time, you're going to get to anywhere if you keep going. That's the key, though. Most people give up half the, no, half the way up or turn around. Or if you keep going, you'll get there. Right. Yeah, often when we're drilling or, or mining for diamonds, we stop with the with the pickaxe right before we just get that last bit of dirt that gets us to the diamond, right? So a lot of times it's about just staying the course, sticking with the game plan with a little bit of flexibility to pivot if things change. If a pandemic hits, for example, and you have to right. course correct a little bit, doesn't mean you have to give up. It just means maybe you have to rethink things and take them from a different perspective. And I think a, a lot of what's resonant from your story as well is that you collaborated early on with people to get the help that you needed to be successful. Right. A lot of times entrepreneurs make the mistake of going it alone, or maybe they hit a little bit of frustration because they hire the wrong person here or there. And they think, oh, I'm never going to find anybody that's going to fit the bill. And you kind of just got to stay the course and let things find you as well, right? Right. Yeah. And you have to have a strategy too. You can't just say, Hey, I want to make money doing this, but then not have a plan, not have, okay, how are you going to get there? Okay, what systems do you have in place to actually bring you business? Um, you know, you have to have all of those things in place and then stick with the course and follow through with all of it. Yeah, incredible. So let's talk about your best practices for strategic planning for businesses. You've helped a lot of small businesses get off of the ground. What are your typical sort of three best practices that business owners or future entrepreneurs should be doing to get their business going? Well, the first one you want to do, first of all, is make sure that you have all the foundational things in place. It starts first with your branding. Okay, of course. I mean, that seems, it seems so basic that a lot of times people kind of overlook the branding aspect of it because it seems basic. But you have to, as a company, it's like your brain is almost like your face, in a sense. What do you want it to say when people see it? You know, what, what impression do you want people to get when they see it? You know, so making sure your branding is done that foundationally right, that matches the, 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 the type of company that you have, number one, and the type of, how do I put it? The way that you want people to see you, make sure the brand matches that. And once that is done properly, then the next step is getting all of your systems in place, so to speak. So let's say if you're on a smaller budget, then of course you want to try to maybe automate more, more of your systems. So let's say you're doing like a service type business, kind of, I don't know, maybe like design or something. If you're starting that, then right now, let's say it's just you, but you want to scale that up to maybe having a whole team, but you're on a budget. Now, the best way to do that, number one, would be able to, first, you need your marketing in place, of course, because that's going to bring you the leads. But now you also have to have somewhere to manage all of those leads when it comes in. So maybe, uh, what is, I forgot the name of the company, something like many requests or something like that, that kind of manages all of the leads when they come in. And then you need a team on the back end. So when those leads come in, you know, they can manage all of that. So that's essentially, if you're on a budget, that's probably just like three different things you need to get. So number one, you need your marketing team in place. Number two, you need that system where everything can kind of be in one place where they can chat with the designers or whatever, all in one place. 
And then on the back end, if you're on a budget, maybe you could hire, you could outsource like a graphic design team or something and then have them ready to go when those orders come in. So now you have a full system, you know, almost like with all the wheels turning in place that is automated. So essentially you don't even have to necessarily be there anymore, but now you've duplicated what you can do, but without it just being you. Because I found so many business owners that get stuck as small business owners because they're trying to do everything themselves. And you can't scale or turn something into a franchise if you don't set it up to be duplicated. Yeah, that's the thing, right? That's exactly the concept that all of the franchise businesses ever in existence are built upon. We create a system that's replicable by other people that other people can replicate. And we basically disseminate that system to franchisees and we collect a royalty in exchange for it, right? Exactly. And you'll never have a company that's big enough to, to trade on the stock market or anything if it's just you. <laughs> exactly. Right, exactly. You can't do everything. And the longer you continue to do everything, air quotes, the worse and the harder it will be to transition a lot of those things to other people, right? Right. It will be harder because now you're used to doing it that way. And your 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 brain is normally trained to fight. It's, it's like it'll, it's, it's, it's designed to keep equilibrium. So if it's used to this, this is what it'll always want to be. It's not going to want to transition because now you're used to doing it that way. Oh, I've been doing it this way for 20 years. Okay, you keep doing it that way. well let's talk about how people can start on a budget you said you know earlier in the conversation that you could technically start a business with nothing and yes that Mm -hmm. is true but realistically you need a little bit of a budget right to be able to start a business in theory or at least you need to go find someone to help as an investor or to collaborate with you in exchange for services you might be able to barter or something along those lines So what are your best practices there and your advice for people who are looking to start something or maybe even go into a new product line to be able to do so on a bootstrapped budget? Um, Doing it on a bootstrapped budget would be going back to just the original strategy again. Um, How big are you trying to get it, essentially? Like how much money are you trying to make with it? And then once you know those things, then it's going to kind of let you know, well, how do I set this up with this budget so that it can still be automated a little bit, but, you know, I can still. And then, of course, I mean, it makes sense to get a job. <laughs> you don't have any type of income. <laughs> yeah, the side hustle is really king yeah. right now, right? Because that enables you to at least have something that can help you at least weather the storm of growing the business because it takes about a year or so to really hit your stride and start to feel some serious momentum. And you can at least take the pressure off of how do I pay the bills from week to week, right? Right. I mean, because a business is like having a baby, you know? That baby cannot take care of you when it comes out of the womb. Obviously, right. Right, it, of has, course. It, it has to be taken care of and nurtured. And then when it's grown, then it's able to take care of you. So at some point, you have to have another type of income to take care of the baby, essentially, until the baby grows up to be large enough that it can take care of you. So. That's awesome. So All right. So have, I, I get a job, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your best practices for business branding tips? You've been in the game for a very long time. Since fifth grade, you've been helping others <laughs> to sell their products or promote their businesses. Uh-huh. So over the years, what have you learned as best practices that every business should be doing from a branding perspective? Um, the first thing you want to do is find out why you're doing what you're doing. 
Okay. I mean, you can't just say, oh, I just want to make money. That's not a brand. <laughs> right. So, not a great motivation to get people to come and buy stuff from you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you'll get a couple of people that just, if they just want that product, whatever, they'll buy it. They don't care. But there has to be a story. Like, why are you doing this? What what made you passionate about doing that? Like everything we're talking about right now, because that's what people are drawn to. They're not drawn to, everybody has a product, you know, but there's a reason why somebody would go to McDonald's versus going to Wendy's or versus going to Burger. They all have different stories and they all have different things that make them unique. And you have to find it what it is that makes your, you unique and your company unique. And then you have to take that and capture it in your brand. And then once you do that, then your everything else, like your website and everything else has to tell a story that matches that. And then once you have that solid, that's when you can you know, kind of like start with your marketing and then kind of establish your presence, you know, in different, on different platforms, whether it's, you know, social media or online, just that's the next step from there um, as far as the branding goes. And then the next step after that is following through and making sure that the structure of your company is matching what it is that you want your brand to represent or the level of excellence, so to speak, that you want your brand you know, to represent. Because if you have a pretty you know, brand, but then customer service is horrible and nobody wants to come to you. It's not going to sustain. You know, you're yeah. still lacking. Right. So making sure just all of those different areas are strong. And then even after you get the business, making sure the follow-up is strong and your brand is still represented all across the board. Now, let's break that down just a little bit, because I think a lot of times people talk about finding your why and you know, you need to tell a story, but those things aren't super practical, right? So if you're comfortable, mm -hmm. let's break down an example of how you might find your why. And I'll just let you come up with a hypothetical that you're most comfortable with. But yeah. how, even if it's a case study from one of your prior clients, how did you help someone to find their why when they were struggling to do so? And then how did you turn that into the story that carried over into their website? So usually there's, even if they don't know what the why is, it's always, there's always one, there is one. So even if they come to me and they don't already know what it is, there's always one. And so usually what I'll do is I'll have them, I have, I have like a little process that I have to go through to help them figure out what it is. And then it's like different questions that I'll ask them. And so once I ask those questions, it's kind of like going to a psychologist, I guess. <laughs> you know, ask you all and then they put you in like this little. So like from asking just the little questions, I can find out exactly why they're wanting to do whatever it is that they're doing. And then once we know what that why is, then I kind of get their story as to how were they even able to you know, come to this conclusion as to this is what they wanted to do. Because there's a lot of people who are talented and gifted, but they still haven't even come to the conclusion of, okay, I'm actually going to do this. So there's something that happens in every person that gets them from the conception of that idea to I'm going to do this. And usually when you find what that is, that's your why. Interesting. So something in between the, I kind of want to do this to the spark that drives you to, I must do this, right? Right. When now, you find out whatever that thing is, that's usually your why. Great. I think that's a great example. So now taking that, 
how do we create a website that's story-oriented and carries our customer or our client or whoever we're trying to reach as a target audience, carries them through a story when they're on the experience of our web page? <laughs> that's more of my web design team, but <laughs> but just, um, okay, so once you find the why, it's like you kind of have to create the same atmosphere in a sense, because a website is kind of like, what you're doing with the website is basically duplicating the same feel and experience that someone would have walking into your office, but but online. You know, so if you're, I don't know, a massage therapist or something, right? It seems, you know, like disconnected. Like, how do you, you know, create an atmosphere online, you know? <laughs> but that's what you're essentially trying to do. The same atmosphere that I would experience that I would get walking into your massage parlor. And leaving is the same thing. We have to figure out how to duplicate that experience in your website, whether it's through videos or through testimonials or even through the types of music that you play in there. You have to make sure those, once you make sure those two things lined up, like the online one and what you have in your store, then your website now is telling the same story that I'm getting when I walk into your physical establishment. Right. That makes sense. Awesome. All right. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to find you and what can they expect when they go to patientsdean.store? So patientsdean.store is basically all of our graphic design stuff. So if you need everything from your logo design to your website design, we do do other services that aren't on there. Like if you want business cards and other print stuff, but you would just have to email uh, message us for that. Um, but we have the basic stuff on there, you know, like the logos, book covers. We've been doing a lot of book covers too, like for even like people who are on ACX, like trying to do Amazon books and um, all of those, like the KDP books too, we do book covers for those. So you're going to find all of those graphic design services on the website, as well as the website design. And then also um, with the my video production part, we're actually expanding. So I'm really excited about that because we're going from just being able to do like little, maybe 30 second commercials, but I'm in the process of working on opening up like a TV studio. Wow. So wonderful. now my business owners can come in and do a 30 second commercial for their business, or they can do a 30 minute show where we actually, you know, come up with a concept and everything and produce an actual show for them. Even if it's a podcast or if it's like an actual interview show, they can do that. Even somebody who's a comedian can do like their own little 30 minute spot on TV. So I will be literally giving the average entrepreneur the ability to be on television. So I'm really excited about this branch <laughs> um, of the business that we're, we're launching. It uh, should be opened up in about August or so. I'm really excited about that. It's just helping people, you know, helping your brand get out there. So I'm just excited. Love that. And where's the <laughs> studio going to be based? It's going to be um, in the Hampton Roads area. So like close to like Virginia Beach area. Um, there's a space I'm looking at in Chesapeake, Virginia right now. So it's going to be in that vicinity. So Virginia Beach, Fort Smith, um, Norfolk, Hampton, I'll be able to reach all those people because it's kind of like a, yeah. <laughs> super cool. Super cool. Well, Patience, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I really enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> thank you. It was a pleasure.